Welcome back to Are You a Fan, where we explore individual characters from your favorite sci-fi, action, and fantasy genres. A big thank you to Moonbound Productions for supporting today's episode. If you would like to express your support, please like and share the show. Here's your hosts, Dick Rail and Joker. Hello folks, welcome to Are You a Fan by Moonbound Productions. If you like the episode, uh, enjoy what we got to say, maybe found something a bit interesting or new, why don't you share it with a friend, give us a like. Heck, maybe even follow us. So, Joker, I got a question for you in the audience. What's up? If you could pick one of the power rings of one of the Lantern Cores of the DC Universe, which power ring would you pick? So I don't know if it's just the Necromancer in me from D&D, but I'd probably go with the Black, Black Lantern Core with death. I mean, fair, and I feel like it's a little bit of the Necromancer in you. <laughs> but also just imagining... Like, all the people that die, if they don't go to the white core, you get all these people, all these heroes or villains. I mean, fair, I remember that was a big thing in uh, in one of the comics. I think I'd go with the White Lantern Ring. I know it's kind of like picking the <laughs> Avatar with, with like, bending abilities, but... Uh, well, I was also laughing because that they were created to fight the black. black. So, it's just kind of ironic that I picked the black, you picked the one that was designed to fight it. Yeah, mostly because um, I, I know with the White Lantern Core, you can use every one of the uh, ring abilities. Didn't know that. Yep, uh, it's kind of the whole like concept of like since white is the encompass of all colors. Okay, and that's so yeah, makes sense. <laughs> it's kind of why I picked that one. I'm like, that's why I say I'm like, I'm going Avatar on this. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> so that brings us to this week's character, a Green Lantern, aka Hal Jordan. So. Let's get into the real world facts of how this character came to be. Starting out, uh, after achieving great success in 1956 in reviving the Golden Age character, The Flash, DC editor Julius Schwartz Mm -hmm. looked towards recreating the Green Lantern from the Golden Age of comic books. So what we're saying is the Schwartz was with him. (laughs) God. Anybody who gets that reference, I love you. Uh, you get mad props with us. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, fun fact, uh, there was technically a Green Lantern before even Hal Jordan, but that was like way back in the Golden Age. And you know what? If anybody wants, maybe we'll cover that character someday. Let us know. So, drawing from his love of... Yeah. Drawing from his love for science fiction, Swartz intended to show the new Green Lantern in a more modern light enlisting writer John Broom and artist Gil Kane, who in 1959 would reintroduce Green Lantern in the World Showcase, number 22, October of 1959, by creating Hal Jordan. Yeah, 1959. It's amazing to know that there were comics, like uh, major comic book characters before then. Right. Because that already seems a while ago, and I'm sure some some older people in my mom's generation are shaking their fists at their screen right now, like, that's not even that old. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> okay, uh, the character was a success, and it was quickly decided to follow up his three-issue run on Showcase with a self-titled series, Green Lantern Number 1, began in August or began in July slash August 1960 and would continue until issue number 89 in April to May 1972. That is a pretty good run. It really was. Like, dang. 
which is impressive for a revival character. That really is. Also, the fact that, um, I mean, it's always an impressive show when a character gets their own self-titled comic. Oh, yeah. Because so many are, you know, under, you know, some other comic or, like, sharing a comic or a backup in a comic. So, that, impre- impressive, honestly. I guess it helps that there was a version of him beforehand that kind of, like, I feel like that helped put pave the way for him to have his self-titled comic. I can see that. The old fans kind of get into it, and the new fans get into it, kind of yeah. creating a decent fan base. Starting in issue number 17, Gardner Fox joined the book to share writing duties with John Broom. The quartet of Schwartz, Broom, Fox, and Kane remained the core creative team until 1970. Just, you know, that's, that's still pretty, pretty good. That's, what, 11 years? That's, to have the same people? I was actually about to say, yeah, no. And uh, from what we've gathered in comics, to have a writing team last that long with just those core members, like, that's a real impressive run. It really is. Like, because at some point, somebody always gets tired or, like, you know, they're, they're like, ah, oh, we don't like where you're going with this. Like that, that seems to be the most common one is there's, like, those creative differences. Yep, creative differences. Or the comic book company themselves are like, we don't like where you guys are taking this. Yep. So we're going to get rid of you. <laughs> okay. Uh, starting with issue number 76, April 1970. Dennis O'Neill took over scripting and Neil Adams, who had drawn the cover of the issue number 63, became the series artists. O'Neill and Adams had already begun preparations for the classic run in the form of their reworkings of another DC superhero, Green Arrow. Which, you know, bit on the nose being like, they're both green. Let's have them team up. Right. Which, yeah, they definitely seem to do a lot of in the comics because of these artists and writers doing that. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, ba- I don't know. I guess we'll get into it when we talk about the actual in universe and that bit more, but just, funny just we don't actually really have anything to do with green arrow. Uh, I don't know. It just feels weird. Just uh, knowing who the two characters are, seeing them knowing that they kind of started out at one point working together. I'm right. like, ah, I just don't feel like Hal would care. <laughs> I'm, he really doesn't, to be honest. Because I, I feel like Green Arrow is that street-level hero who cares about the little man and common stuff. Yep. Meanwhile, Hal Jordan's like, yeah, I stopped a meteorite the other day. Um, but what'd you do? <laughs> in a way, because Hal did try to fo- or was focusing more on Earth, he kind of was still the galactic version of a street-level hero. I guess, because so he does kind of the same. Because he does a terrible job of taking doing, care of the whole job. sector. <laughs> yeah. In an introduction to the 1983 reprinting of this O'Neill Adams run, O'Neill would explain that he wondered if he could represent his own political beliefs in comics and take on social issues of the late 60s and early 70s. Because, you know, what what writer doesn't want to do that? I mean, yeah. Well, no. It was a pretty common thing back then. <laughs> really was, and honestly, Will Shock DC went for it. Oh, yeah. So O'Neill would devise the idea of portraying Hal Jordan effectively, effectively an intergalactic law enforcement officer, as an established gradualist liberal figure against Oliver uh, Oliver Queen Green Arrow, uh, who O'Neill had characterized as a lusty, outspoken anarchist who would stand in for the counterculture movement. Which honestly, yes, like 
God, we if need to do a Green well. Arrow episode one day. I love that character. <laughs> right, we, we definitely need to. He, he is so much fun. Honestly, I almost feel like we need to move on from this paragraph because I'm going to get sidetracked yeah, with let's, Green let's Arrow. <laughs> the first of these social motivated Green Lantern slash Green Arrow stories was written by Gil Kane, slated to be the artist. But Kane dropped out and was replaced by Neil Adams. The stories tackled questions of power, racism, sexism, exploitation, and remain viewed in the comics community as the first social conscious superhero stories. Which is pretty good because they definitely covered quite a range of issues back then. Yeah. Which, honestly, like like I said, I'm just shot, more shocked DC went for this and actually like dove, like let them dive kind of head in on such controversial they, topics. Well, I'm surprised they let them do it on so many of them. Yeah. Because between Marvel and DC, they both had characters who kind of focused on one. True. But now you got characters literally focusing on like five different issues that are pretty controversial and, yeah, I mean, pretty big, pretty prevalent back then. Which, you know, like, as far as uh, from what we've seen of DC and even discussed on DC, like, kudos, I guess. Like, yeah, because even they... While they had some characters doing that, they were nowhere near as good as Marvel was at doing it. Yeah, no. I think the most prevalent character that DC ever came out with that did it right was um, Blue Beetle. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Hispanic one. Uh, God dang, I'm terrible with names. Yes, you are. <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> Despite the work of Adams and O'Neill, Green Lantern sales uh, had been in a major decline at the time Green Arrow was brought on as a co-star. And their stories would fail to receive the sales figures, so Green Lantern was canceled with issue number 89 in April slash May of 1972. Which, oh. unfortunately, from what I've heard of the Green Air or the Green Lantern series, that happened a lot. He was a very roller coasty sales character. Like he'd go up and he'd he'd plummet, and he'd go back up and he'd go back down. Ooh, that's I, I, it was not a good thing for his character. That's kind of why I feel he's been up and down and all over the place through the series and the years that kind of probably explains why they kind of went some of the directions they did with his character and in general with the green lantern core why there's been so many of them true just uh trying to throw just they're like okay they don't like how how about we bring in this person right <laughs> i was like oh he's still not doing it I was like, okay let's bring another one uh that's that's uh, uh that does suck for the character Okay, uh, so um, that's kind of what we got for real world. Let's move into in-universe. So Hal Jordan was born in Coast City to Jessica and Martin Jordan. He was the middle child between brothers Jack and Jim. Ah, too bad it wasn't a daughter. <laughs> Jack and Jill. As a boy, he idolized his father, who was a test pilot at Ferris Aircraft. Uh, I do still have to laugh, though, at the names. That family really liked Jays. They really did. Jessica, Jack, Jim. Jordan. <laughs> I think one of them. Well, that one you don't really got much of a choice on. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, I think one of the brothers had a wife whose name started with a J, too. Like, it was just a, na a family of Jays. <laughs> and then just Hal. Right. Him him and his dad were just like, well, we're going to be the standouts. Right. How is that for like, I like this one. <laughs> right. He's going to be a different name. Which one's, which one was your favorite? None of you. Hey, Hal, want to come watch me fly this plane? Right. <laughs> Speaking of, 
Um, at a very young age, Hal would face his greatest fear when his father died in a plane crash at an air show right before his eyes. Uh, despite his family's wishes and refusing to bow down to fear, he would follow in his father's footsteps and eventually join the United States, United States Air Force on his 18th birthday. Where I guess he actually showed up to the recruiting center before it was open. Oh, like, wow. He, he showed up and waited. Dang, he was really determined to overcome that fear. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like, kudos. Um, <laughs> it's better than me. I don't, you don't see me swimming in murky water is all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so how would be kicked out of the military? Mm, this is going to be a long... <laughs> the start of his life. Of his um, issues. Issues. So, yeah, upon being, uh, he was kicked out for assaulting an officer. Not great. And was reduced to an engineer giving plane tune ups. He would eventually also join Ferris Aircraft as a test pilot. Yeah, he literally would follow his father's footsteps and be a test pilot for the same company. Which, I mean, I feel like history repeating itself a little bit. Like, like yeah. I, like, like clearly we know well we hope he doesn't die and that but like like I just feel like if I was his mom I'd be like really really oh, I'm sure she probably was we already knew that they didn't want him joining the air force so I'm sure that didn't really True. get any better probably not so many years later later a dying alien named Aben Sur a member of the Green Lantern Corps would crash land his starship in the California desert Having selected a replacement officer for his position, the Power Ring chose Hal Jordan for his ability to overcome great fear. The ring and its abilities would be explained to him, and he inher- inherited the mantle of the Green Lantern. Which, I mean, it's a hell of a way to inherit something. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's one thing I've always kind of liked about the concept of the Lantern Rings, is they choose who they want. Which is kind of unique. For like for a thing in that because sometimes uh, there are certain items in, that don't really choose and that's just the first person who comes along and grabs it. Yep, and that seems to be the most common way. So it's nice to have that. Oh no, this chose you because of whatever personal trait you had. Also, can you imagine like just how mind blowing is the day you become this great superhero guardian of the galaxy? You also find out that there's guardians of the galaxy and aliens. Right. That's a lot. That's a lot. Like. Like aneurysm level of a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How would be summoned to the Corps' headquarters on planet Oa? He would be assigned to Sinestro. Hal received training from some of the best Corps, uh, the best the Corps, Corps had to offer, including Drill Sergeant Kilowog and his mentor, Sinestro. Love Kilowog. <laughs> right. Kilowog, honestly. Out of all the Green Lantern movies I've watched, he is my favorite character. Like, even the cartoons and the comics. Like, all iterations of Kilowog. I love Kilowog. Oh, he is awesome. (laughs) Right? But he's also a, what, like a pinkish, fleshy, colored alien, pig alien looking thing? I mean, Warthog, or I I also thought Hippo-ish. Yeah. It kind of looks like a mix between a hippo and a warthog. Yep. Badass, though. And kind of cool dude. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I think the best one that shows who he is is Green Lantern and Emerald Knights. That was a pretty solid one. <laughs> so, during his training, Hal would learn that Sinestro had been subjugating his home planet through fear using his ring. 
After Hal reported these acts to the Guardians and fellow Corps members, he battled Sinestro and emerged victorious. Along with the rest of the Corps, he then testified against Sinestro at his trial. Which, I don't know, I just always feel like moments like that got to be a little like, like so, uh, so what do you have to say? I'm like, well, I already told you in the report that that man, Your Honor, the one I'm pointing at and is looking back at me. Like he wants to kill me. <laughs> like he wants to kill me, even though I whooped his butt in battle. Uh, he enslaved his plant. So, I just, yeah. Yeah, so, it definitely sounds about right. <laughs> that, uh, that's my headcanon now. Until I buy the comic, that's what I believe went down. Expelled from the core and banished by the Guardians to the antimatter universe as punishment, Sinestro became a sworn enemy to the cores and gained a new cord. Uh, cord. Powering. I know. Honestly, I was gonna. I was gonna say it as Q Ward. Q Ward. <laughs> I don't actually know how that's pronounced. We're gonna go Q Ward. Powering. Exacting the start of his revenge. Because yeah, that's that would be when he would uh, kind of start to create the Yellow Lantern. Yep, that's the start of his empire. Which I mean, you know, for considering their enemies or like, well, like. Whatever it is, the Sinestro Corps tends to, like, be a very prevalent force that doesn't seem to be taken down at any point. Yeah, no. But, I mean, it's like all the comics. The, the villains never really do. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Some of the things I've seen on it, it's just, like, the way it functions is, like, are you... Has the Green Lantern Corps done nothing about this? Are they just letting them run their own sector? Which I guess... Kind of, yeah. I guess to avoid war and just open warfare, it, that would be the easiest approach. It really would be, yeah. And so, acting as a galactic police officer, it was his job to serve. Uh, it was Hal's job to serve and protect all life in Sector Two Eight One Four. He would also soon learn that there were another three thousand five hundred ninety-nine Green Lanterns across the universe, all monitored and powered by the mystical creatures called the Guardians. There are thirty-six hundred Green Lanterns. That's impressive. Holy cow! I mean, it's a universe. <laughs> that's, that's still that is a lot of Green Lanterns. It's a lot for. Um little gnome people to kind of keep track of right. and manage. So, yeah, no, you're right there. Green Lantern was one of the founding members of the Justice League of America, alongside with Flash, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Anybody who's curious about the Wonder Woman's involvement in that, please go check out our Wonder Woman episode. By- it also kind of explains how they created the, or why they created the Justice League. Actually, yeah, it does. I forgot we talked about that. Also, just kind of a fun little tidbit. It's funny that he's uh, he was one of the founding members of this, considering the very original Green Lantern that he was based on was also a me- like a member of their Justice Society. That's or, probably why they did that. Yeah, I just, they probably did that on purpose. Which I just I, I think it's a cute little it's a nice little nod to the original. Like, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so now we move into exile and temporary retirement. So after spending much, uh, too much time using his power for quote-unquote trivial matters on his home planet and overlooking the rest of his sector, the Guardians would exile Hal Jordan from Earth for a complete year. Which, I mean, you know, seems intense, everybody. But remember, there's a galaxy. There's bigger things at work here. We should have looked up how big their sectors are. 
Because now I'm curious, like, how many plans did he ignore just to deal with home? I mean, clearly enough that the Guardians were like, okay, we need to banish you as punishment. <laughs> I was like, no, you, you cannot go near Earth. You just stay out of that system. Yeah, so, you know, probably, uh, probably a lot if they're literally going to that length. Oh, yeah. So, during his exile, he faced old and new threats, including other Green Lanterns and a group of Rogue Lanterns corrupted by yellow-proof power rings. This last one being a psychological test carried out by the Guardians. Oh, yeah. Let's exile you from your home and then screw with you mentally. That's so I think that choice. was a, I think that was a little too far. <laughs> and honestly, the Guardians did not make good choices. The Guardians make some of the worst choices. <laughs> if we ever do an episode like on them, I almost feel like it's going to be a repeat of Raiden. <laughs> yeah, just it, like it will just be. like all this horror is your fault. <laughs> yeah. Now, if only it'll have the same ratings, <laughs> Raiden. <laughs> Well, I guess we'll find out in the future. So, even after Howard returned to Earth, the Guardians kept asking Jordan to put the core over his private life, abandoning his friends when they need him most. Fed up with their apathy, uh, Hal Jordan would decide to retire from the core, and Jon Stewart became the official replacement for Green Lantern of that sector. Which, honestly... Uh, was, he was a good choice to re- be replaced by. Yeah, and, and I guess, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, John Stewart was probably one of my like, cause I knew of Hal Jordan and that growing up with comics and that, but like John Stewart being the main green lantern in the justice league cartoon growing up, honestly, in most cartoons, he was yeah. kind of the prevalent green lantern in most of the animated series. It's actually uh, one theory is as to why the movie did so poorly was they didn't go with John Stewart because our generation didn't we were like a lot of people in our generation are like who the heck's this guy? Well, it did so poorly cuz it was a horrible movie. It's a it was a bad <laughs> movie too. Honestly, I don't think having John Stewart would have saved it. Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe going with his story maybe could change some stuff, who knows, butterfly. Okay, so uh, during the crisis on... It's always a crisis event. So during the crisis on Infinite Earths, a guardian allowed Hal to join the newly appointed Guy Gardner squad to destroy Q Wards. Ah, We still don't know what it is, so sorry, comic book fan, but Q Wards Moon. Giving him a temporary ring, seeing that Guy didn't care about killing his enemies, Hal rebelled against him, and Guy, gave, uh, Guy left him to die in space, stripping him of his ring. When the Green Lantern Corps joined the battle, his comrade rescued Hal. So that's dark as hell. <laughs> yeah. He kind of gets left out in space. You, makes you wonder how long he got left out there before the rest of the Lanterns found him. I mean... It had to have been quick. It had to have been, because... He would have been so dead otherwise. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. I wonder if I wonder if aliens know how to properly like hold your breath in space. In space. I'm sure some I've, do. I've heard a lot of debates about that because some say like, no, you got to breathe out, breathe out, otherwise your lungs will pop. Uh, I feel like it depends on the alien and their psych, uh, physical Physi- physiology. Yeah. <laughs> just some aliens giving Hal advice, and then when it happens, he just dies because he <laughs> it just explodes. Like, huh. And it's like, oh, huh. that's the thing, okay. <laughs> so humans are different than me. 
Putting hmm. that in our notes for later. <laughs> so Green Lantern Tomar Ray uh, would perish during the conflict and pass his ring to John Stewart, and in turn, John would return his ring to the rightful owner Hal Jordan. So Hal would get his original ring back at this point. Oh, it's kind of, it's kind of cute, right? It's kind of a nice little like, hey, we're back together. <laughs> and it's kind of cool because it just shows that there it seems to be a little bit of respect between him and Stewart, which I. I could easily see, especially them both having military backgrounds. Yep. Uh, someday we will go into, um, we will. We will definitely do John Stewart. Yeah, we will definitely do a John Stewart episode. I would love his. Same. Okay, so Green Lantern Corps of Earth. Uh, hinting at Earth as the focal point of the upcoming evolution, the Guardians assigned Hal and John to base their operations on their home planet. They led a group of Green Lanterns who established a citadel in California. I imagine that was probably tough to do because that sounds... Any Earth government, I don't think, would Oh, yeah, been. no. Yeah. Like, but, uh, but I know at least at the time, I feel the U.S. would be the best because they've already got the Justice League. They've already got, at this point, probably a couple hundred superheroes working throughout the country true they'd probably be the most also considering the green lanterns the government would probably be curious to wanting to use them as a power and that or a uh, deterrent so having I mean, they got the rest of them yeah they, but you know why I, feel not? Like, I feel like the core wouldn't actually get that involved depending on what happened oh definitely not but you know as far as uh, the governments are concerned they'd want that one Oh. That it's a it's a potential power. It doesn't matter how much power you have. Man always wants more. Oh yeah. <laughs> so during the time on Earth, uh, how would start a controversial relationship with? Is that Arissa? 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 Where are you with that? Let's go with Arissa. So during that time on Earth, uh, how would start a controversial relationship with Arissa? who, being a teenager, would use her ring to accelerate her body's maturity and thus become a woman of Hal's age. They would date for time, and Arisia would stay on Earth even after the central power battery of Oa was destroyed. Hal would also, as being one of the few active lanterns in the universe and the only one on Earth, would also stay. Yeah, that was, uh, even amongst fans, that's still considered uh, one of the... Up there, I'd say top five controversial relationships. It's amazing that that's even just top five. I definitely, but I did do some digging into that because it started out as a question of, did he know she was a teenager at the time? Which led me down a rabbit hole of, kind of have some defense for Hal for this. Really? So <laughs> it was um, in a couple of comics uh, by Englehart, Joe Stanton, and Mark Farmer. So... Kind of at the beginning, Hal was very anti this relationship because she was a child to them. Um, and her own people. Pretty much, but mostly to her own people because, to be honest, by Earth standards, she'd be... So she was 14 to her on her planet. To us, she'd be 28 because their planet rotates twice as fast. I am. So it's definitely one of those. It gets a little murky when you start dealing with aliens and extraterrestrials. It does. I mean, it almost comes back to the uh, to the Young Justice debate of what actually qualifies as a person to be considered an adult. Yeah. Is it maturity? Is it actual time and age? And that what technically is it? Is it biological? Is it mental? But yeah, it definitely 
that is what what seems to be the biggest piece of Hal's defense is the whole is it men, is it the whole personality wise or is it a maturity wise like body wise because in essentially in Green Lantern issue two hundred four the age gap was really the only reason he was majorly against it because she was a child he wasn't but I mean that's valid yeah but so in Green Lantern two hundred six this would be where the changes to her body would happen. And from what little I saw, it doesn't... I can't quite tell if she did the changing on purpose or if something else was doing it to her. Um, but she would physically mature to be Hal's age when this would be where he would defend his position by telling her he didn't want to be interested in anybody at the time because he had just lost someone important to him. And But some something happened during this issue, but and by the end of it, they would end up kissing. Hmm. And it's then, so weird to me. It's right, so I'm not going to disagree. It's weird. It's weird on multiple fronts, including the fact that the writers were like, we really, we but really want to push this storyline. Part of the next thing that I found kind of matches to where it's like, as humans of our modern age and our time period, we see it differently than others would. And even back to our ancient times, and I mean, ultimately, it always comes down to what era are we viewing it through the lens of? Well, yeah, for us. And that for us. But that was what I found was, though, so in the next issue, so 207, Englehart would use um, this to kind of push his relationship, the relationship, where fellow lanterns John Stewart and Cat Lady, who were in a relationship, would be discussing it. You know, John being the human, being more hesitant, you know, quoting, she was just a kid, where Cat would respond with, she was, but now she is a woman, and basically said the only difference of how Arisia matured was different was, quote unquote, her body uh, differed only in speed. So she matured quicker, while mentally, yes, she is definitely very young still. And yeah, that's... But this is where, and again... As humans, yes, we are much more hesitant and we have very different standards. But again, when you get dealing with extraterrestrials and aliens, I can see where this would be acceptable to other aliens. I mean, fair, fair. I'm willing to concede on the fact that aliens are, well, alien. And that's the only real defense I give John on this, or Hal, is because they are aliens. And if it was obviously a human, yes, it'd be very, very horrible. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I feel like this is almost <laughs> above our talking grade. Like, oh, it definitely I, th- is. I think this is where we can settle and be like, okay, you know what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it definitely was. But that was just one of those things that I, I looked into and found a rabbit hole. Of, well, I mean, on one hand, yes, obviously, still very bad. But on another hand, in the comic, because of the situation, it's a little different. Yeah, I suppose perhaps, but like, yeah, I'm I'm still sticking with my my stance on it. But uh, I guess we probably should move on this one. Yeah, so you're the next one. Oh yeah, fuck, god damn. <laughs> the road back, exhausted from spending so many years of his life as a superhero, Hal started to travel the country alone, seeking a place to settle down and have a stable job. After trying different places, Hal Jordan's attention shifted again towards Oa. When the deranged guardian of Appa Ali Apsa. Appa Ali Apsa. I know that only because of that movie. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, forgot. Started to take cities from various planets and hold them hostage on Oa. Damn. <laughs> That's one way to go crazy. Yeah, geez. We're just going to take this whole city and bring it over here. Also, um, if I was Brainiac, I'd be calling plagiarism. Right. <laughs> like, I did it first, you little gnome. <laughs> so, on Oa, Hal would join forces with Guy Gardner and Jon Stewart, along with the help of returned guardians of the universe to defeat uh, Appa Ali Apsa. Oh, That's yeah. a weird name. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> uh, honestly, not a bad team, though. Oh, yeah, no. Definitely. I mean, Guy Gardner, a little, yeah. I mean, I will, for the mission they're going on, Guy Gardner is a powerhouse, at least. And that John Stewart, military strategist, like, that's a solid team up. And it's always funny because you can always tell when John's the Green Lantern because you see all the military equipment in his hard light projections. That is probably one of my favorite things with his. That's definitely where you see the big difference between him and Hal because Hal didn't use as many military ish stuff. Hal he was the- a little more. Unorthodox. Yeah, how the most military I'd say he used was the jets. Yeah, and stuff. And that yeah. was just because he was a pilot. So yeah, that made sense. Beyond that, he was more uh, a little more cartoony with it. Yep. <laughs> Which was fun, honestly. Oh, definitely. <laughs> with the guardians back and the reconstruction of the cores about to begin, Hal expected them to allow him to return to Earth. However, they assigned him to recruit new members for the new Green Lantern Corps. As you know, why would they let you go back to Earth? Right? You pissed them off how many times? I always, I do find it funny uh, that, like, yeah, he, he feels indignant about, like, some of the things the Guardians do. And they're just like, why, why would we work with you? you right. You've been nothing but intolerant the entire time. You've been the most, the biggest pain in our side. Yeah, we're not going to work with you. <laughs> so he would make an agreement with the Guardians that once he reached the number of 12 members, he would be allowed to return to Earth and negotiate with Guy Gardner, who would remain as Greenlander of Sector 2814. This quote-unquote negotiation was decided with a fight, and the loser would be kicked out of the core, where how would actually defeat Guy? Oops, that has a... That was supposed to have a space. So I'm going to redo that section. Um, so this quote-unquote negotiation was decided with a fight, and the loser would be kicked out of the core, where Howe would actually defeat Guy Gardner. Ooh. You know I mean? Of course, because Guy was a horrible lantern. Yeah. Like I said, powerhouse, but not really proficiently skilled. Well, we've also saw already where how rebelled against him because guy had no qualms about killing people. Ah, true. So it was like, he was not meant for really being a hero. Really was. Anti-hero. Yes. Anti-hero. <laughs> definitely. Pain in the justice league's, uh, side. Yes. <laughs> so being located on earth again, allowed Hal to rejoin the justice league and be the leader of the European branch. That is uh wow. That's a weird. That makes sense. <laughs> the justice league eventually does, does kind of do the whole world thing. Yeah. So, I mean, and clearly at this point, it's no longer the justice league of America. So true. It makes sense that they have a branch somewhere else. And I feel like Hal's probably still trying to find himself and where he belongs. Oh yeah. I mean that and being a founding member, why not give you a, a branch of your own? Yeah. Heck, why not? So, on to the destruction of Coast City. 
Ow. So once again, the Guardians would order Hal to be absent from Earth when his home and friends needed him most. But this time, the consequences were catastrophic as Coast City was invaded and destroyed by Mongol and Cyborg Superman. Oh, I think this was during the reign of the Superman. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because Cyborg Superman, yep. Also, Mongol is a force to be reckoned with. Um, I, I don't know if his presence really would have been that, made that big of a game changer. No, I think he was just the one leading it, though. Mm. To be honest, from the way it sounded in this section of the story, is that like just Mongol was in charge? Okay. Well, oh no, I was. I I, I don't know um, if Hal's presence would have been that big of a game changer with Cyborg Superman. Based on the second second half, it was enough of one. Ah. Returning from space, Hal was horrified to find New Engine City in replacement of his home he joined the resurrect uh resurrected superman to fight the villains hal confronted and defeated mongol one-on-one in battle that left him with a broken arm dang which also part of some of the notes you had is i guess he used uh cyborg superman's uh hammer and that's how he defeated mongol so clearly he was enough of a game changer because he's the one to beat mongol Dang, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, because Mongol is no slouch. This is a character that goes toe-to-toe with Superman on regular. Yeah, I feel like coming out with only a broken arm. Not that's bad. That's impressive. That is very. <laughs> Especially if it's a guy that can go toe-to-toe with Superman. Oh, yeah, that, that's actually quite impressive. So, moving into the next section of Emerald Twilight. After, after this battle, Hal would try to use his ring to recreate Coast City in its entirety. This was a massive construct... Uh, Construct that required all of his rings charge and began interacting with characters from his life who had perished in the slaughter. Because, you know, what else do you do but put yourself through that anguish again? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I I feel like that's a heavily debated therapy topic amongst therapists. I feel like that's a horrible way to cope with this. Uh, It's not the most (laughs) ideal one, uh, especially when done the way it's being done. Right. It's one of those, like, you got to let go, man. You got to say goodbye to these things. Like, I get the recreating the city, but don't recreate the people. And literally start interacting with them. Like, that is a horrible, horrible idea. And uh, if I was a member of the Justice League, I'd be like, guys, I think um, I think intervention time. Where's Black Canary? We need, uh, we need her on this. <laughs> uh, they didn't need them because we had some other people interve- intervening with him. A projection of the Guardians was sent to him. Furious that he was using his powers for personal reasons and threatening him unless he immediately reported back to them for disciplinary action. Fair. I mean, I can't blame him. Yeah, no, that's like, dang. And I I think I remember, I think him recreating the city like almost completely drained his battery too. He he was pushing it. I mean, it did say that it was using up a lot of his rings uh, charge. Oh, I did say it required all of his ring stretch. Never mind. Yep. So, yeah, that, that took a lot of power. So, it's amazing that they're like, so how do you guys expect him to uh, get back to you? <laughs> I mean, as the Guardians, you better hope he has the, the lantern with him to be able to recharge. Right. <laughs> so, enraged that they would ignore the personal loss he had suffered in the name of the Corps and try to punish him for his humanity, how driven insane by grief, decided to meet them head-on and clash with the men who had destroyed his life. 
You know what I mean? I can't blame him. I mean, I can't, but like definitely a uh, rash decision, I feel. He's human. What do you expect? We are known for rash decisions, especially when angry. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) Okay, so in this state of madness, he was intent on obtaining their vast powers so that he might recreate all he had lost. A team of Green Lantern Corps' greatest warriors were sent to oppose him and stop him before he could reach their homeworld. Hal Jordan single-handedly went through eight lanterns. He would leave defeated, floating in space, and took their rings in his possession, adding them to his collection. Wow! Whoa! Yeah, he, he just... He was going on a killing spree. Yeah, we were going real dark side on this, my guide. My guy. <laughs> yeah, just knowing that he went through eight of the greatest warriors the Corps had by himself is impressive. Because I almost want to say... Uh, hey, there's a lot of names, but I knew we were, we were going to butcher every one of them. <laughs> oh, man. That's uh, also just taking the rings and like... Isn't this why what, why he punished the other guy? I mean, yeah. This is slightly different, but yeah. Yeah, like... What happened to the no-kill rule? Wow, threw that real, out real quick when it had to do with you. Of course. <laughs> so, touching down on Oa... He would kill. He would kill Kilowog in combat. Uh, his Aww. greatest adversary, Sinestro, would be released from imprisonment and to act as a last line of defense. And how it snap his neck? Then he would enter the central power battery and absorb the energies inside, killing the guardians and effectively destroying the entire Green Lantern Corps. And he would emerge with the new identity of Parallax. Uh, he went on a straight up murder spree. Not Kilowatt. <laughs> no. He, he killed them all, essentially. I mean, Sinestro. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel about that one. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like he was a good villain. That's why I got to say about him. Kilowog, I love Kilowog. So, I don't want. That's what I have to say about that. Okay, so Parallax. Oh, my God. Hal, what are you doing? So one of the greatest secrets kept by the Guardians was that their infamous yellow impurity was, in fact, an ancient monster named Parallax, who they had imprisoned in their central power battery. And Parallax happens to also be the physical embodiment of fear. Yep. Which, uh, fun little side thing about all the lantern rings, they all have, like, animal-esque, like, avatars. Which... Would be kind of epic to watch just the avatars fight it out. Oh, dude, right? That'd be awesome. But uh, still, Parallax, uh, I mean, yeah, w- way to botch it all, Hal. Oh, yeah, because Parallax would eventually possess him and turn him into one of the greatest villains the universe had ever seen. Not just, you know, a couple planets, but the entire universe. You know, I was talking I was talking some mad smack about the gnomes at the beginning of this, <laughs> being the uh, Raidens of the universe, but... Um, I mean... They still are. To be I mean, honest. they are too, but I feel like Hal is really trying. They kept off. giving him rings. If they had stopped bringing him back, he would never become Parallax. So, no, they're still the Raiden. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Actually, yeah, no, in no, the no, long okay. run. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe he's the sub zero. I say he's definitely the close second. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, because hell, oh my god. So uh, zero hour. Ganthet, the sole surviving guardian, designated Kyle Rayner to replace Jordan as the Green Lantern of Earth when Rayner comes into possession of the last power ring created from the shattered remains of Jordan's. So literally, the last Green Lantern and the last Guardian both kind of lucked out, and they're like, well, we're going to put this together. Because I guess Ganthet was kind of hiding somewhere and just got lucky. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, lucky. <laughs> and then, yeah, they just, they're like, okay, well, here's his shattered pieces. Let's make a ring. Because we got at least somebody that can fight back. Ooh, man. That's, so, I'd be terrified to take him on at this point. Oh, God, yeah. So, not long afterwards, though, Parallax would attempt to rewrite history to his own liking with the help of Extent in the universe-wide event Zero Hour, Crisis in Time. Parallax would destroy the Time Trapper and attempts uh, to remake the universe into a perfect, peaceful place, causing time disruptions throughout the universe. Because, you know, of course it is. You're screwing with time. It's going to mess a lot of stuff up. Exactly. There's a butterfly effect that happens in that. All the universes are in sync for a reason. (laughs) Okay, so Jordan is eventually defeated when... Uh, So Jordan is eventually defeated when Hal exhausts most of his power from both fighting and manipulating the time stream. Green Arrow... I'm back. I'm back, baby. Green Arrow then uh, takes advantage of Jordan's drain state and shoots an arrow into Jordan's chest. Say, ah, (laughs) dirtbag. So, dang. (laughs) Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was a lot of various heroes from the Justice League, a couple lanterns. Like there was a lot of people fighting Jordan during this. Oh, I can imagine. Th- like at this point, we're getting a lot of even like the space characters involved. Oh yeah, because dang, destroying reality not a good not a good look. Jo- not a good look, man. So, uh, folks, that's uh, kind of what we got for his in universe. At this point, uh, it would just be you know a whole other character because. At this point, he's technically dead. Yep. So now let's get into powers and abilities. Okay, so powers and abilities. Let's start out. Uh, Aviation, enabled by fields generated by the power rings. That seems to be one that is kind of general to all power rings. Yeah, that seems like a general. Except for, I don't remember, I think it was the Indigo Core has staffs. One of the cores doesn't, doesn't really use the rings, but they have like a staff instead. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. Right. So he's also skilled in hand-to-hand combat, boxing, and judo. Uh, mechanical engineering, which, you know, makes sense with him being a test pilot in the military. Yep. Um, lantern ring uh, creates hard light constructs. Weakness. The speed force can disrupt the ring's power. Which, that one I didn't know about. That was a unique one I found, too. That Like, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Which, and the one that I didn't even catch that you missed, obviously, yellow. Oh, yeah. Or wood. I I, I actually kind of purposely didn't put those in. I, I, well, I, yellow is always a weakness. Yep. Yellow is a big weakness. Uh, wood was the very first in comic screen lantern's weakness. And there's a, 
The whole reason for that was because they were advanced aliens monitoring somewhat sometimes primitive planets. Oh, yeah. Which makes sense. The plan was in case a lantern went Sinestro on them. Right. The people could defend themselves. I still love it, though. He could be defeated by a number two pencil. Right? Still just like, yeah. <laughs> also, kind of a fun fact about his powers. He has actually worn six of the ten power rings, being green for willpower, blue hope, red rage, yellow fear, orange greed, and white, which was an impromptu core created to battle Black Lantern cores, and the White Lanterns were primarily heroes who had died in the past. So it was kind of a interesting group of lanterns there. Oh, that is honestly the one, the biggest one that shocked me in this whole thing was the red ring. Yeah, I remember we talked about it briefly the other. Like, I think it was this morning. It was like I feel it was very. Like, I didn't look into any of these and how long you kept them. Yeah, but from what it seemed like, the red was a very temporary, like a very short-lived ring holding. I mean, I feel like it would kind of have to be just uh, what it entails. Because I think his two biggest ones, other than green, were blue and yellow. Yellow is definitely. The... I think those were the next two. I think it might have gone green, yellow, blue on how long he held them. I, I can th- see that. Because I think he had hope for a while. I remember the hope one. So, okay. Uh, Into yeah. other media. And he's got a little bit. Um, so, in TV, live action, Hal would appear in the 1979 Legends of Superheroes. And it was also alluded to in two of the episodes of The Flash. Oh, that would have been cool to see him show up in there. Uh, he didn't, but they kind of... I think it was like kind of like a... A tease of him. Kind of like they did with the question. Yeah, where they kind of talk about him or show something in the background that's like, oh, hey, here's Green Lantern, but you're not going to actually get to see him. That would have been nice. That would have been awesome. So, in animated, he also appears in 10 shows, including Super Friends, Justice League Unlimited, Duck Dodgers, which was a cameo, uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, Young Justice, and would star in Green Lantern, the animated series. It's actually a decent anime list. And that's just kind of the more notable ones. Yeah. There's some other kind of small named ones or ones that's like one episode or something. I could see that. But I did kind of find it funny that he was in Duck Dodgers. That that is actually kind of cool. (laughs) So, moving into film for live action. Unfortunately, so he was in the 2011 short film, The Death and Return of Superman. Unfortunately for Ryan Reynolds, he portrayed him in the 2011 film Green Lantern. <laughs> uh, I feel so bad for Reynolds in that. Right. That it's was a, such a horrible movie. Amazing. He saved his career. Deadpool. I mean, that's entirely what saved it. Oh, yeah. Um, he will also appear in a reboot called the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, How's also, I guess, expected to appear by the end of The Flash. Oh. Which I don't know if that's a, something they weren't supposed to share. Or if that's something, because I don't remember seeing anything about him being in that movie. Like, honestly, at this point, the only ones I've known of are Batman. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Might have to look into that. So, he, so moving into animated films, how would appear in 14 animated films, including Green Lantern, First Light, Green Lantern, Emerald Knights, Justice League Doom, Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox, and, you know, Lego Movies, and Superman Red Sun. Ah, that was yeah. an awesome movie. That was good, right? Because <clears throat> I definitely love the premise of that movie. Same. 
So he would also have five more anime movie appearances in the DC animated movie universe. One of them was actually just a non-speaking cameo. So not much of a role in that. Okay. Uh, Video games-wise, he would be a playable character in uh, 13 different games. Most of them being fighting games, Lego games. Actually, there was like a very large list of Lego games. Impressive. Because it's amazing how many they actually have nowadays. Dude, there's so many Lego games out there. Yeah, for the most part, though, I think, if I remember correctly, most of his appearances were either Lego or a fighting game of some form. Mm, I can see that. But that was, there was a few other things, but not a lot. Mm, Fair. (laughs) So, some kind of random miscellaneous ones. Hal is featured in the Smallville Season 11 digital comic, which is based on the show. Uh, He is portrayed in the parody music, Holy Musical Batman. I just love the name of that. Oh my god, I gotta look that up. Um, he also has a cocktail named after him in the San Francisco bar Whitechapel, and the cocktail uses the Aviation American Gin, which is uh, the brand owner is Ryan Reynolds, which makes sense why they use his brand in the cocktail named after him. Also, uh, a little curious to look up all the ingredients of this because I'd be down to drink a Green Lantern. Right. Like that sounds that sounds like a powerhouse drink. It may be tasty if it has green apple. Well, let's just hope it's not uh, animated. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay, so uh, honestly, okay, okay. I don't think he's a great hero. How? No. But he is an interesting character. I think he was a better hero at the beginning. Yes, he definitely becomes... I don't even want to say jaded. What's the next step past jaded? I have no idea. Cynical? Yeah. Like, he he becomes very disillusioned of everything at a certain point. But also going through what we just did, I can't necessarily blame him. Oh, no, he's been through through the ringer. It's why I'm saying I don't think he... Okay, question, Joker. Are you a fan? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean... I mean, not even necessarily just of Hal, but of just the Green Lantern in general. Oh, same. Like he has always been one of my favorite characters in DC. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's I think it's the hard light weaponry. That, that is the most fun about them. That's probably the most fun. And I'll yeah. even admit, I don't think he's a great hero, but I think he's a very interesting character. And because of that, I am a fan. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode. Or even like the character before from a movie, a comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time. You're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails. <laughs>